Hello and welcome to the Dispatched Podcast Week in Review uh, on the 18th of November. It's Paul Cross and I'm joined by Carol. Hi, Carol. Hi, Paul. It's been an interesting week and Carol and I have just been chatting about the fact that it's the middle of November and it's everyone is reaching for the end of the year. Reaching so hard. <laughs> uh, another interesting week. Very. Okay, so Paul, a few articles about a problematic culture at the heart of HTA decision-making in Australia. Can you provide any additional background? Uh, Well, it is interesting. These stories have been around for a few years now. It's an issue that's openly discussed across the pharmaceutical industry, the medical device industry as well, and among some patient groups. And it's disturbing. It was featured. It featured prominently as a subject at our recent summit. Liz DeSoma, the, the CEO of Medicines Australia, admirably raised the issue of culture in the Department of Health and Aged Care. And this is culture that is characterised by some pretty poor conduct. And I'm talking bullying. I'm talking coercion. It's the do it or else mindset. And. It's a mindset that's built on patronage. Patronage. If you behave well, you'll be you'll be rewarded, and if you don't, you'll be excluded. And it's just no way to run a public health program. And all the evidence shows that it's leading to poorer outcomes and poorer decisions because that's the inevitable consequence of a system that turns in on itself. There are complaints. The Department of Health at the recent Senate estimates hearing acknowledged that. Two law firms have been engaged to investigate three complaints lodged by external stakeholders. Obviously, in fairness, the detail of those has to remain confidential. But I do think one of the only only things that surprised me was that there was was only three. (laughs) And it would be really disappointing if those three complaints were lodged by small not-for-profits or patient groups. I do think large multinationals have a role in holding the system to account because they have so many touch points yep. to it. But there is a fear that the fear of retribution if you speak out. And that that's, that is a very serious issue. If the system has become punitive against people for identifying issues, asserting their lawful rights, trying to make the system better, disagreeing, no one should be punished for that. Now, is there evidence of people being punished? I think there is. But the fear is real. And that should really disturb senior bureaucrats and it should worry the parliament. And I'm very happy that it was raised at Senate Estimates because at least started the process of shining a a political light on this issue. And what sort of response did you get? Uh, Interesting. Interesting. A lot of responses, a lot of people sharing their own experiences, which they can do because they can they know it won't be put in the public domain. But there's a consistency to them. It's this do it do do this or else, and that that is really really problematic. It's problematic for anywhere in government. It's problematic in 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 an area that is responsible for administering public health. I think. Liz DeSoma's comment at our recent summit that they have relationships across 
this department. But this issue is very specific to this one area. And it's not exclusive to things like areas like the PBS. It's a discussion with the medical device sector would would certainly suggest that it might be even worse for them. So I think there's just got to be more discussion about it and hopefully that leads to something happening. We've started planning for next April's annual conference. What is the rationale for building an agenda by bringing in medical devices and diagnostics? I think there is a lot of shared experience and value and merit in having a conversation together in the one room. I speak to people in the medical device and diagnostic sectors regularly and they are dealing with issues that the pharmaceutical sector is dealing with and all of these impact patients, but there's just not a lot of looking sideways. And I'd like to have an agenda where people realise that what the pharmaceutical sector agrees to is going to affect medical devices and diagnostics and vice versa. Government will try and achieve an outcome on the PBS by getting it on the prosthesis list. They'll try and get a change in PBS decision-making or through the Pharmaceutical Benefits Advisory Committee because then they can impose it on the Medical Services Advisory Committee. There's got to be a lot more unity of purpose across these sectors that are all working on therapeutic interventions and dealing with the same area of the bureaucracy, but they behave in a very distinct way. So I would just like to get everyone in the room. I think there's merit in that and describing some some shared experiences. I I, I really do believe that the pharmaceutical sector has to look closely at what's happening with the prosthesis list, the complete rolling mess that is the attempted reform of the PL. The PL, for those who don't know, is how the government creates the legal framework for the private funding of medical devices. It's been an area that's been hotly contested for a number of years, multiple attempts at reform, all of which have failed and ended in price cuts. There is unity of view around the, around the need for reform. The medical device believes there's need for, sector believes there's need for reform. The private health insurers are pushing for reform. It just can't happen. And this goes back to the previous discussion about culture because a culture that's turned in on itself and doesn't engage stakeholders respectfully inevitably loses capability. We live in a system where reform success has generally required co-design, stakeholders, including patients and industry, working together with government to achieve change. When that breaks down, when change is imposed, you get failure, policy failure, which we see a lot now, and you also get declining capability. So it becomes this vortex downward. There is a lot of capability in government, but it's not all capability. A lot of capability in patient groups and a lot of capability in in the private sector. And history shows that public health programs benefit when they come together, coalesce to construct reform, and that's not what's happening. So I want to have a discussion about that at, at next year's conference and bring everyone together and talk about these shared these shared issues, which are which are definitely shared and and going in the wrong direction. Excellent. That sounds now, fantastic. We do have some questions from the audience from we a couple of do. readers this week, so we are going to answer those. Okay. No identities. No identities. Anonymous right. questions. <laughs> now that companies have been informed of the final outcomes of their requests for relief from next April's catch-up statutory price reductions, is the race all run? 
No. <laughs> no. It's just starting because this is where the rubber hits the road. We don't really know the extent of success companies have achieved in seeking relief from these reductions. The Minister, Mark Butler, delegated the decisions to officials. But ultimately, if a company is not happy with the final outcomes that have been communicated this week, they're a bit overdue for some. If those companies are not happy, they have every right to engage in political advocacy. And if the choice is Australian patients losing access to a medicine that, that the technical groups have said, no, we need, or waiving a price reduction, then ultimately that's going to fall at the minister's feet. So, yes, you can legally delegate the decision-making to an official, but you can't delegate the political problem. Mm. And if you're in a situation where thousands of people are going to lose access to a medicine, a medicine that's required, then if I'm a company, I, I, I actually start the energy and effort now. I, I wouldn't have done it three months ago. I'd be doing it now. Uh, give the process an opportunity to succeed or fail and then really start the advocacy strongly because ultimately the minister is going to have to make a decision about whether the loss of a medicine matters, whether a company will actually follow through on delisting a medicine and whether the price cut is worth the pain for patients. So... In conclusion, the race is not run at all. In fact, I think it's just beginning because the price cuts actually don't take effect for another four or five months. Are we going to see many delistings? I don't know. History would suggest not. And if the system wants to keep a drug, they'll find a way to keep it. But I, but I do think whilst history says you're unlikely to see many delistings, it only takes three or four for a problem. Mm. And we've never had a policy that's as bad as this one. This is just an appallingly constructed- Tell us what you really think, Paul. Well, it's basically just knocking the pins down and seeing which, which can get up, or as I've used the, the, the example of dropping a bomb and, and then determining which buildings are worth saving. There's no rationale for these price cuts other than there's a savings target that needs to be hit. And the savings target was established without any thought for whether it could actually be achieved through this mechanism. So it's just a rubbish policy. The industry should never have agreed to it. And ultimately, patients are going to suffer the consequences. And I, and I think that's a real shame. So we are stripping the system bare. And this has never happened before. It's never been this extreme. And so I think we have to expect there are going to be consequences that we've never seen before. But, but we won't know for a couple of months. One company has already moved to take a multiple sclerosis medicine off the PBS, and we've seen the patient response to that. So multiply that five or six times. Mm. And the minister won't really avoid this as a political problem. So we've had, we've had the legal process around discretion, but the minister maintains their discretion to set the price of these medicines all the way to the 1st of April. So the minister can, can ultimately intervene if, if they believe it's, it's appropriate. Okay, and there is a lot of talk about enhancing patient input to decision-making and a lot of consultation process currently underway. 
Is it really fair to construct multiple consultation processes and expect small and under-resourced patient groups to develop detailed responses? That's a really important question because patient groups are often talked about as if they're a single model. Mm. We have patient groups that are vast entities with a lot of resources in Australia. Yeah. And so they can manage multiple consultation processes. They exist to do it and other things, but that, but they can do it. They've got policy advisors and consultants to help them. But most aren't like that. Mums, a couple of mums of sick kids. That's right, working in their kitchen or their dining room. And then <laughs> the government expects them to be able to engage in one, two, three or four consultation process. Consultation as a principle is really, really important as long as it's done properly. And what we get at the moment is this stupid consultation hub that the bureaucracy has established. They put this thing up there. They, they, they write the consultation paper. This is what we think. Uh, this is what we think you think. What do you think about what we think about what you think? <laughs> it's not real consultation. It's a no. process that they go through so that they can then show that they've been consulting. So I think we need to we think about managing and constructing consultation processes with the smallest patient groups in mind. I know one patient group where not only are they not aware of a lot of these consultation processes they've been asked to invite or, or participate in, but where, where the leaders of the patient group spend just as much time in hospital as they spend out of hospital. Yeah, yeah. So where is the consideration being given to them? I just, I just think there's a, it's a really good question and I do think there's an opportunity to reflect. Consultation by its nature is a really, really important and valuable thing. But, but what is often presented as consultation is nothing of the sort. It's industry and government getting together, designing something and throwing it up on the hub and saying, what do you think about what we think? Yep. And I just think it would be better, better to try and consult people from the start. I remember Melanie Funk, who, who is the leader, the, the, the managing director of the, of the patient group that's responsible for, for children with severe um, skin conditions. She works on that out of her home. She's amazing. She's really inspiring. She's got kids who live with the condition. And she said to me, her frustration with the system is that it assumes she knows where to connect. She has to go into the system rather than the system coming to her. And I think that was a really, really well-made point and something we should think about and something the industry should think about because designing processes and outcomes and then throwing them out there is is fair, is fine for some patient organisations who are institutionalised and have resources, but it's not okay for the vast majority who are very small and struggle. And so I, th- I do think there's an opportunity to, to reflect on that. So it sounds great in process, in in principle, it does, but it can it can always be done better. Carol, Paul. <laughs> so <laughs> we love getting the questions. So please send them in. Um, we get we get a few a week, but we'd like to get we'd like to get more and really build this into something. Uh, we're happy to keep them confidential. We're happy to identify who asked the question if you'd like but thank you so much for listening thank you carol thank you paul always a good conversation and i look forward to speaking next week see you next week